0: Alright, amen. Welcome to South. That was an uh, excellent time of worship. Thanks team for leading us. It's, uh, it's fun to see our musicians continue to, to grow and flourish when Wally's away and, uh, and see how that goes. Um, so yeah, thanks for, for leading us this morning guys. Hey, we are beginning, we're at the beginning, we're second week, second week into this new series we're calling Give Up. And uh, I know it's kind of strange timing because this is the time of the year when people normally are trying their best to hold on and to continue in their commitments and their resolutions. Uh, but we decided it's a great time of year to talk about giving up. And so we're encouraging you to follow Jesus more closely and to consider the things in your life that he's calling you to give up. Now, as part of that, we're launched into this reading plan, and I hope that you've joined with us using Uversion, You can also join us at seekstudyserve.org slash gospels and read along with us for 90 days in the Gospels. If you haven't yet started that plan, today's a great time. You don't have to be exactly where our church is to benefit from reading God's word with God's people, uh, and there are ways for you to catch up because it's one chapter a day and you could catch up and, and be right along with us. And I want to clue you in on a secret. I talked to Dwayne, one of our members, this week, and he, he was telling me it's, it's always interesting to see what verses, what passages you're going to highlight on Sunday morning from what we're reading. And I told him this, for this series, for the Give Up series, anytime you see the words follow me, and they're closely linked to Jesus, you can bet that there's going to be a sermon uh, responding to that text. And so today we're in Matthew 8, and we're talking about a time that Jesus... Uh, he, he expressed some interesting viewpoints and surprised some people, and they were required to give up their expectations. Now, uh, as far as giving up things, if you've been around here for a while, you might have noticed the stage is a little plain, and you might have noticed that our vision wall out there is uh, is also a little plain. And that's because uh, Wally and I have given up a little bit, so we're Sorry. <laughs> This stuff was all supposed to be taken care of by January 8, and we got swamped, and we're a little behind. And So by February, we'll have the stage reset, and by February, we'll have uh, the vision wall back up. But for right now, we've given up because, you know, that's what we're talking about. So last thing I want to point out before we jump in is that as part of your reading plans, uh, we're encouraging you to pick up some more of these journals. we got a- about 100 of these left over they're at guest services you can pick these up we used these in 2022 in our year of analog as we uh, as we studied God's word together with paper bibles and pens and journals and now we've got these journals we think they're still valuable for those of you who are joining us through the u version through the bible app and for those of you who are just reading along in the gospels Now, speaking of giving up, back in 2020, my family, uh, you guys have heard some of the story, my family adopted some birds. And we quickly found out that out in our yard, there's a lot of predator pressure, and it's difficult to keep birds alive. And so the solution that we came up with was uh, something called a livestock guardian dog. We planned get this livestock guardian dog and she was going to make all our hopes and dreams come true and our birds safe forever and ever. It was right there in the name, Livestock Guardian Dog. And so in September of 2021, with great expectations and great excitement, we picked up our great Pyrenees puppy named Luna. Isn't she cute? Here's the thing about a, a puppy of any kind is that they're a destructive force of nature. And uh, and the thing about a uh, a great Pyrenees puppy is that they grow exceptionally quickly. And so six months later, uh, a 70-pound destructive force of nature with a puppy's mind running around our yard didn't quite pan out the way that I thought it would. Suddenly, my yard was no longer safe. There were holes. That spring, when I when I drove my mower, I would I'll constantly fall into these holes with it, shooting dirt and dust all over the place. Uh, my landscaping was no longer safe. I, I dug up some sedum at one point to move it from one spot to another, and I left it in a pot outside, and that was my first mistake. Because <laughs> I came back the next morning, and it was like a bomb had gone off in this pot, and the sedum was nowhere to be found. It was just, it disintegrated. My wood pile was carried all over the, the yard. She was big enough, you know, she's a big enough puppy that she could just grab things and move them. And the, the worst part of all is that even though Great Pyrenees are livestock guardian dogs, it takes a great bit of training to develop an effective livestock guardian dog from a juvenile puppy predator who just wants to chew on some birds. Now, Luna is a great dog, and she's become part of our family, but she defied almost all of my expectations, and our life has not been easier or simpler or more peaceful since she came into it. So yeah, expectations. We're talking about those today. You've got them. I've got them, and sometimes they interact with our faith stories. Now, if you're like me, You've probably got a sense of how things are going to go on a daily basis and how they should turn out. I'm an ISTJ on the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator, and that makes me a logistician. And so with my personality type, I wake up in the morning and I have a plan for what every day is going to look like. It might be on my calendar if I'm going to work. It might be I just wake up and know, today I'm going to accomplish this. This is how I'm going to do it, uh, even on my weekends. And this is how long it's going to take. And now for some of you, ENFPs out there, Audrey. Uh, guys, I'll pray for you, especially for Audrey. But seriously, there's no, there's no right personality type. God has wired us all individually and uniquely. Uh, but I know that some people are not wired like me. Uh, but the thing about me and my personality type is that expectations come right along with who I am. And so if I wake up and my day is derailed by something unexpected... You can ask my wife, I'll become a total grumpus. If my weekly budget gets, uh, gets knocked over by some unexpected expense, man, I'm not very happy about it. I'm somebody who likes stability. And I think no matter your personality type, I think all of us, on one hand or another, we have expectations uh, about what things will look like on maybe a daily basis or, or farther out, where we'll live, what we'll do, who we'll be. Some might call those hopes and dreams, but, but I think they can be classified as expectations. And it can be the same way with faith. Many of us come to Jesus with all kinds of expectations, hopes and dreams, conditions, addendums. But what we find when we grow close to him is that Jesus doesn't quite meet all of those expectations. He's beyond them. In fact, he might outright defy many of the expectations we hold. And so instead of holding so tightly to them, I believe this. I believe that followers of Jesus are called to give up our expectations. So this morning we're going to be in Matthew 8. We're starting in verse 18. Jesus is out. He was in Galilee. This is the setting that we were in last week. This is the place he would called Peter and Andrew and James and John and uh, crowds were starting to form around him. They'd heard the news of, of this amazing teacher who's, who's healing people and uh, who's teaching in a new, fresh way that has authority. And so more and more people show up and eventually, as Jesus is healing more and more, the crowds become overwhelming and Jesus calls his disciples and he tells them, it's time for us to get out of here for today. Verse 18 of Matthew 8. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Now, it's possible that Jesus was worn out. Maybe, you know, he knew that it was time for the crowds to go home for their own safety or for their own good. But for whatever reason, Jesus told his disciples, go grab this boat, bring it up, we'll hop in the boat, we're going to go to the other side of the the lake. But just before Jesus got in, verse 19, then one of the teachers of the religious law came to him and said, said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you will go. Let's talk about this guy's expectations. What do you think he was looking for in Jesus? Right off the bat, he's, he's called a teacher of the religious law, and so he would have been a scribe. This would have been somebody who, who had completed his education, and you know, whilst much of the, the religious establishment seems to have rejected Jesus, there were some, this guy, Nicodemus, others, who came to him and and wanted to interact with his ideas and eventually wound up following him. Now, for this man, again, designated a teacher uh, of religious law in Scripture means that his education was done, at an education that had required a careful attention to detail, deep study, and and also the selection of a rabbi. Now students would select their rabbis because it gave them a status and you know, somewhat of a defined future. If you followed the rabbi Gamaliel, you were of one school of thought. And and if you followed the rabbi Ankalas, you were of another school of thought. And apprenticing yourself to one of these teachers would align you with, uh, with their teachings. And it would then also offer you the respect that they had and a potential livelihood maybe maybe students of your own in the future and so in a word this man was looking for stability he wanted to align himself with the jesus school with this new up and coming rabbi and he he thought jesus was a rising star look at all these crowds following around him man jesus was going somewhere it's almost it's almost like in selecting a rabbi, like we talked about last week, when you, when you choose a university, you, you weigh your options, you look at the educational and occupational outcomes of, of their students, and you, you go for the most bang for your buck so that you can look forward to a bright and maybe stable future. And so this man comes to Jesus with this, these kinds of expectations. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 20 Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. In other words, there's no stability here. Jesus wasn't in charge of some famous rabbinical school. He didn't have command over any synagogue. Following him wasn't going to result in any kind of, you know, establishments or or institutional or political followings. Additionally, as Jesus said, look, I've, I've got no place to even lay my head. There's going to be no comfortable benefit to be enjoyed by being a disciple in the Jesus school. Now look, this man was still welcome to follow Jesus, but he had to lay aside some of these expectations. The story comes, continues on. Jesus is still not in the boat yet. The crowd is still gathered around him. Verse 21, another of his disciples said, Lord, let me, re- let me first return home and bury my father. Okay, so you got a, another guy who's approaching Jesus with another set of stipulations. And scripture refers to this guy as a disciple, so he'd apparently been following Jesus for a while. And his request on face value, it seems reasonable, right? Jesus, I want to follow you, but I've got some family obligations. I've got to take care of my parents. I mean, Jesus himself in, in Matthew 15, he rebukes the Pharisees and the teachers of the law for not honoring their father and, and their mother, for not living up to their family obligations. Looking after family responsibilities, it's, it's something that God cares about. It's, well, it's commandment number five, right in the middle, honor your father and mother. It must be important. So it seems like this man is asking for a good thing, right? Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Verse 22 Jesus told him, Follow me now and let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Follow me now and let the dead bury their own dead. Doesn't that seem harsh? It's certainly unexpected. I'm sure that the people who heard Jesus say this were at the very least surprised, if not outright offended for this poor disciple. I mean, how could Jesus say this? Especially when this would-be follower was carrying so many, so many societal obligations and expectations and all, all the weight of his family. It sounded like he wanted to do the right thing. And yet Jesus says something totally off the wall, totally unexpected. And it's in moments like these that Jesus made it quite clear for his followers then, and I think for his followers today, that for them, for these disciples of Jesus, for us in this room, that Jesus was to be there and to be our primary concern. The call to follow Jesus was to be placed above any other allegiance, any other obligations, and anything that would get in the way of following Jesus faithfully was to be cast aside. And yeah, it sounds harsh, but that's the truth. That's what Jesus expects. He is to be our primary concern. Now, after this, if you keep reading, Jesus finally does get in that boat, and the disciples, and he and the disciples cross over to the other side, and on the way, there's that famous story of, of Jesus calming the wind and the waves. He's exhausted, right, after dealing with the crowds all day, and he just falls asleep, and then he wakes up when the disciples are freaking out. Lord, we're going to perish. Don't you care? And this is another instance when Jesus outright defied his, his disciples' expectations. Because you read their response to Jesus' miracle when he says, Peace be still. The wind and the waves stop, and in, in the lake, the Sea of Galilee, is calm again. And the disciples say, Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And I have to think that over the next few days and few weeks, as as the disciples reflect back on both that miracle and on Jesus' teaching here, follow me now, let the dead bury their dead, and foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to, to rest his head, that they started to see how Jesus was going to ask more and more of them than they thought when they got into this whole thing. And that in many ways, their expectations about what this whole following Jesus was going to be all about had to be let go, had to be set aside. Because followers of Jesus are called to give up our expectations. Now here's what I want out of faith often. Here's here's what I want. I want predictability. I want ease. I want quick answers. I want mountaintop experiences that just go on and on keep me plugged in to, to Jesus and his church and fill me emotionally. I want things to, to go my way. In some ways, I'm looking for control. I've got a set of expectations and I want God to fulfill them all and yet in some ways that that kind of makes God my servant instead of me serving God. That's me. You're, you're probably there with me in, in some respects too. You know, we expect God to make faith easy. I see this when people choose to be baptized. It's this moment of of, of seeming arrival, right? You've become part of God's family. Everybody's excited. The Spirit has moved you. You've repented. You're following Jesus. You submit to him in baptism. And you're like, I have arrived. And yet, life doesn't get necessarily easier from that point forward. Because... Baptism is the beginning, the, the, the starting line, and not the finish line. And when it comes to faith and how easy it's going to be and how easy it's going to make your life following your baptism, just listen what, to what Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 10, a page or so over. Matthew 10, 38, he says this, If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Choosing to pick up a cross does not sound easy. It doesn't sound comfortable. Instead, it sounds more like giving up some of the comfort that we often desire. You know, the, the Apostle Paul over in Philippians 2, he says a little bit more about this about what it's like to to pursue Jesus after we're a believer. Writing to the church in Philippi, Paul says this, Dear friends, as you have always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Hey, faith takes intentionality. It takes responding to the God who is working in you as you see him continue to grow you and to develop you. But I don't see Paul or Jesus here saying it's going to be easy. And Jesus, multiple times, hints that our life is not going to be trouble-free as, as followers, as his followers. And so we need to give up the expectation that faith makes things easy because how easy is forgiveness? Forgiving someone who severely wronged you is not easy. How easy is loving your enemies? It's not easy for me. How easy is being patient as you wait for God to develop you and grow you? How easy is glorifying God in the face of disappointment or tragedy? If anything, I think our faith presents us with more opportunities to be challenged as we seek to honor God in this broken world speaking of a broken world i think sometimes we expect to fit in too comfortably with the world around us i'm the kind of person who who doesn't want to stick out too much and and maybe you're there with me if people know you're a christian well you want to be you want to avoid being known as you know one of those christians you don't want to come across as too judgmental or too out there you try to seem open-minded, you, you try to find points of commonality, you attempt to not be too religious, but as far as how God views his people, Jesus said this in, in John 15. John 15, verses 18 and 19, Jesus says this, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. Look, we want to be loved and we want to love others. That's our, our call is to go out into the world and to love others. We we also like to fit in. But generally, I find when somebody hates you, there's a reason and and Jesus says the world hates him. It's going to hate us too. And some of the things that we believe, some of the things that we hold on to as a family of God will be looked at as outdated or out of touch or or outright distasteful by the world out there. And we need to give up the expectation that our faith is going to make us fit in better because we're called aliens. This world is not our home Peter, who would have been in the boat waiting for Jesus, he wrote this later on, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, and then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, They will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Look, we're not always going to fit in because we're the people of God and and this world in its present form is not our home. And so we, we expect God to make our lives easy, faith to make things easy. We expect to fit in too well. And then I think the third one really hits home. We expect God will answer all of our prayers quickly and exactly the way that we want. And sometimes when that doesn't happen, we become disillusioned. But how many times in Scripture do we see God answering prayers exactly how humans want, and how many times do we see Him doing what, he's de- what He is designed to do, what He's planned to do? I mean, Abraham and Sarah, did they expect to have to wait decades for their promised son? Did Naaman... Expect to have to dip in the the muddy Jordan River seven times to be healed. Did Peter expect his rabbi Jesus Christ to be arrested and executed? No. We we see in Scripture that Peter himself, when when Jesus said when Jesus talked of his upcoming crucifixion, Peter said, "Lord, it will not be. This this will never be." We expect answers to our prayers in in the ways that kind of makes us uh, in charge of God, like God is our butler. We say things like, God, heal my kid, and so God goes out and heals your kid. We say, God, fix my finances, and God makes you a millionaire. We say, God, I didn't study for this test, but I need to pass it, so could you maybe give me a B? Right, we, we expect all of these things done according to, to our timelines in the ways that we want but that's not God. Should the ruler of the entire universe answer to your beck and call? I don't think so. And so we need to give up that expectation that God will answer our prayers like we want them answered in the time frame that we want because that's not how God works. Prayer is important. It's our communication. It's our, our, our ability to, to, to have a conversation with our God. And, and it's amazing that Hebrews tells us we can boldly approach God's throne but we don't control God, and we shouldn't try to control God. Now for some, when they find Jesus doesn't quite meet their expectations, they, they get discouraged and they step out of the community. And Like I said, I'm, I'm a person who likes stability and I have expectations, and, and I get that. I get becoming grumpy when things don't meet your expectations. That can happen to me with faith too. God, why can't you just answer my prayer the way that I want? God, why does this part of the journey have to be so hard? But for those of us who move past our initial assumptions about Jesus and let go of some of those expectations, what do we find instead? We find this John 10 10, Jesus tells us that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Friend, when you set aside your assumptions and you let go of your stipulations and you give up some of those expectations that you brought into this faith journey, you're going to find life. Life lived out in the community of God's people and life that has lived in a right relationship with your God. You know, when it comes down to it, Jesus just doesn't meet our expectations. And again, I wouldn't say he even exceeds them because too often our expectations are way over here, so misguided. But a life with Jesus is better than you could expect. It goes on far longer than you could have ever anticipated into eternity, and to get there, you need to give up more of your assumptions and more of your expectations than you ever thought possible. Hey, As we move to what's next in our service, I just want to share that my family continues to learn this lesson that we often have to, to let go of our expectations. As many of you guys know, at the beginning of the month, my wife's sister passed away totally Unexpectedly and it was it was a shock to us because Karen was an incredibly healthy uh, mother of 4 and a strong woman of God a support to my wife and uh, to our kids and you know we all expected to have 30 more years of Karen she wasn't that old 30 more years of wisdom from Karen 30 more years of God's spirit working through Karen to encourage us 30 more years of laughter that's not what we got. God called her home on the 4th, and those of us left behind are, are still trying to figure out what life looks like without caring. When it comes to faith, you and I need to give up some of our expectations. We need to let go of some of our, our misguided assumptions about who God is. Look, you can't expect God to be okay with willful sin. You can't expect God to answer your every prayer exactly as you think it should be answered. You can't expect God is going to build your personal wealth and fortune. You can't even expect that, the, that your life and the lives of your loved ones are going to continue on indefinitely the way they are now. But I want to point out as we close that there are a few things that God makes clear about himself. Things that you can't expect from him. And the difference here is that they're things that God has said, not things that we have brought to the table. Look, we don't have time to talk about all of these this morning, but you can snap a picture of these or write these down. And these are just a few of the things that God has said, that God has promised, and a couple of verses that talk about them. There are many, many more. You can expect that God will keep his promises, that he will do what he says. Romans 4.21 and 2 Corinthians 1.20 tell us this. You can expect grace from God even though you and I don't deserve it. Romans 3, 23 and 24, we talk about that one a lot. We share that a lot here. That is a verse worth memorizing. You can expect that God will build up his church, Matthew 16, 18. You can expect that God's spirit will work in you to grow you and your faith, John 14, 15 through 17. And you can expect God to hear your prayers. Hebrews four fourteen through 16. And maybe the difference feels trivial to you, but, but here it is. Followers of Jesus give up our own expectations. And then we adopt a new set of expectations founded on what God has said about himself and not on our own desires. Hey, would you pray with me? Jesus, we're thankful for your story that we're getting to interact with and follow through Scripture. Jesus, we affirm you as as God and as the the Lord of our lives. and We place you as our our primary concern. God, I ask that you would help us, your people, to to set aside some of the assumptions that we have about you. Just like the, uh, the people in In Matthew 8 today heard uh, things that were different than what they expected that God we wouldn't be frightened away or or discouraged when you don't necessarily meet our expectations but God we would be willing to give those up and that we would instead uh, adopt a faith that is uh, that is confidently and securely rested in the truth of your word God I pray that as we go out from this place that we would be indeed people who stick out who don't try to fit in as much, but that instead, uh, Jesus, we would be your representatives in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our homes. And as we continue our service today, we pray that you, God, would be glorified here in this place. We pray these things in, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, we get a chance now to respond to God in worship. And We do that a few different ways here. We worship God by, by singing together, by telling God, how amazing he is and thanking him for what he's done for us. We also worship God in a few minutes by giving back and and that's our generous moment we get a a chance to to worship God in in what we give. And then finally, we get to to worship God as we share communion together and this is done in our church. We stand up and we worship and you have a chance to go back with a spouse or a friend or a a small group member and and to to remind yourselves that, that Jesus' body and blood were, were broken and poured out for you so that you can be right with God. And so I'd encourage you today to go back or or come front, up front for one of the tables and share communion with somebody else. And as you do so, say those words. Pick up that juice and, 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 and tell the person that you're with, this juice represents Jesus' blood that was poured out for us, that was sacrificed for us. And then pick up that bread and, and say to them, this bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for you and for me so that we can live right with God so that we can escape the, the, the consequences of our sins so church, would you stand and worship with us today?